Welcome to Fit Food Junkies, addicted to health. My name is Emily E, and I'm a certified group fitness instructor and personal trainer. We will not only talk about fitness and nutrition, but also explore how to build a strong mindset, have ultimate motivation, and how to live life to its fullest. Let's start on our health and fitness journey together. Tri Bourne is a professional beach volleyball player, former professional indoor player, and was an NCAA Division I men's volleyball player for the USC Trojans. He has been a part of the United States indoor and beach national teams since 2005. In 2013, he was named the AVP Newcomer of the Year, as well as the Most Improved Player. He finished the 2016 Olympic qualification third among U.S. men's team and tied for 15th in the Olympic standings. He qualified for the Rio Olympics and is tenacious on the court. He is also host of the Sandcast podcast, the leading podcast for beach volleyball and stories in the volleyball world. On this interview today, we will be discussing how to strengthen your mindset, how to hurdle over adversity, how food can heal you, and how to get back into the game. Here is Tri Born. Hey, Tri. Hey, what's happening? How's it going? All good. I can't complain too much. You know, doing doing the kind of same old thing that everyone else is doing, hanging out in quarantine, but yeah. enjoying myself. <laughs> well, that's good. Mm-hmm. So uh, I actually heard you speak at the HPL training event, and this event, it's a high performance. If people don't know, it's a high performance lifestyle training event teaching you how to maximize your human potential through health, wellness, and community. So I'm really excited for you to share your story today because that day it truly resonated with me and inspired me since. So I'm super excited to dive deep into that. Yeah, let's do it for sure. That was a really fun event. Uh, That was an awesome event. So first, tell everyone about yourself and your background. Yeah, I mean, it it all has kind of stemmed from volleyball and growing up in Hawaii, uh, it's the birthplace of beach volleyball. Um, at least that's what they say in Hawaii. I, I grew up at a beach club actually, where there's a there's a little beach courts there, and that was just kind of my my playground and my daycare. So I, I grew up there with and and it has a very prestigious volleyball background. So my friends ended up being the same guy that I'm playing with today, uh, plus guys I'm competing against, and we all just grew up in a very competitive environment and. Um, a lot of the rest of the stuff kind of fell into place around volleyball. And um, it's, it's funny how long I've been playing now and, and how long I've been able to stay playing volleyball for a living. Through training, and I'm sure it's been brutal training at first, mm-hmm. ha- have you been able to use any of that through this difficult time? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of just being an athlete in general, I've played a lot of sports growing up and, mm-hmm. and I've learned different um, training methods and different, the different work that you have to put in to play different sports. And, and so that was great. You know, there's a lot of like conditioning for like basketball and soccer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that kind of taught me that toughness. And then there's a lot more precise work that you have to do with volleyball mm-hmm. and dealing with the elements out on the beach. So it's really a matter of um, adaptation. And I think that's probably mm-hmm. the, one of the biggest skills that I've learned over the years is just how to adapt to changing circumstances. And Mm -hmm. and when we talk about like 
the autoimmune disease that you you mentioned earlier um that i think that was the biggest skill set that came into play for me was being able to adapt mm-hmm. and then we fast forward to this year and of course another thing comes around and it's this global pandemic mm-hmm. and now i'm i'm doing the same thing leaning on those skills that i've learned to adapt um most of it's mental uh, right. you know obviously the physical you have to put in the work to make sure that you're reaching your goals physically um but most of it's just mental staying stress free mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you know trusting having belief in yourself that, that everything's going to work out it's fascinating to dive deep into an athlete's brain because it's not all yeah of course it's a lot physical but it's so much mental and i think it's really cool to see how you can use so many parts of that into different forms of life like right now with what we're going through so you're talking about adaptation i mean those skills can be used perfectly for what we're going through right now yeah exactly it's it's kind of funny like i feel like i've never had a job in my life or we could easily argue that i haven't but I feel like I've gained so many life skills that I'm able to do other things. Like even, you know, speaking on a podcast like this and, and mm-hmm. uh, public speaking in general is a really difficult thing, but I've learned that through my sport. It's not something, it's not volleyball, but you learn so much um, when you're, when you're really like into your job and, and learning the ins and outs, the things on and off the court. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting how I feel like I've evolved, but, through sport and and I've kind of been able to learn a lot of other stuff as well. That's amazing. And also, so tell us a little bit about, I know you qualified for the Rio Olympics. So mm-hmm. tell, can you tell us about that and what happened? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's kind of tricky, um, the system. So we qualified uh, in the world ranking. Basically, if you, if you rank top 16 in the world, you're automatically into the Olympics. We were top 16 in the world. However, the U.S. was the only country to qualify three men's teams in the top 15 or 16. And we happened to be the third in the Olympic ranking. So there's multiple ranking systems. We were the third team in the Olympic ranking, so we didn't get to go. So that, that was a tough Oh, thing gosh. I can yeah. only imagine. Wow. Yeah. It, so it's pretty crazy. Do you see it now as – have you grown from that? Has it, how has that affected you? I mean, that's brutal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but has it affected you in a positive way now? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've learned how to get over it. I'm not over it. Like, it still wears on me a little. Of course, of course. I get so many shots of being an Olympian. Um, but I definitely have learned to live with it, and, and hopefully it, it kind of makes me stronger. I'm sure there'll be harder things that come along in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it it was definitely difficult for sure. You, I mean, you put in when you when you're in a sport like ours that that is in the national and international spotlight just just once a year, like where we're really like a main key sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, everything leads up to that, so that's of a four year process going into that. I didn't get the spot, obviously, and then the year the next year, as I'm kind of coming into my prime. Uh, 29 or 28 years old, uh, I get the autoimmune disease. So then, yeah. So let's talk. Just to cut you off for a second. So this is what really stuck with me. So when I heard him speak at the HPL training event, 
he talked about his chronic inflammatory muscle disease. And that really resonated with me because I've gone through so much of that in my life as well. So let's dive deep into there. Tell me how that started and how you got through it. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I'm actually hooked up to an IV right now. Oh my God. I, um, wow. Yeah. My, my nurse is at my house right now. Um, so I get infusions once a month, but we'll, we'll circle back around. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, so yeah, after the 2016 season, um, I had ankle surgery mm-hmm. and we don't really know exactly what caused it. Um, but I, it was a very intense season, obviously getting to the Olympics, the stress of that and not making it. And we had a few more events there that were, High, lots of highs and lows and then mm-hmm. I had ankle surgery right after season usually at the end of season I was used to I was eating so clean during the year and I would take care and of myself so hard. So well. yeah. yeah and you're training so hard and you're trying like mentally it's tough because you're mm-hmm. not really like having that time to blow off steam so after season I was like oh my god I just gotta relax it was like right you know, drinking beers I went to the donut shop I was like <laughs> I get to do whatever I want I now. deserve you know everything I mean? right now after this I deserve everything. and I had ankle surgery scheduled mm-hmm. so I did that and then I had ankle surgery and then I'm on the couch for ankle surgery and I'm still like I deserve it whatever and I really just ate like shit um and then a few weeks later I kind of started feeling some symptoms it was like um inflammation and I felt it in my hands a lot like carpal tunnel syndrome like the tingling in your fingers Mm -hmm. exactly I actually did I got carpal tunnel Mm -hmm. and that's what was was weirding me out you know and then I started training as the off season came and I had like my hands were hurting so bad because you know we're hitting we're hitting as hard as we can at each other Mm -hmm. blocker so my fingers being sore already like just did not work I can't imagine yeah yeah and then so it just kind of got worse and worse over four four months or so, and we couldn't find a diagnosis. It was to the point where like I could barely sit down and stand up by myself because I had so much inflammation in all the joints. So the USOC doctors, who mm-hmm. I play under the national team, so I have their support luckily, they sent me up to the University of Utah to get a muscle biopsy. They got the muscle biopsy, took some muscle out of my quad, and then they finally came back with the diagnosis of dermatomyositis. Um, and so, what is that exactly? Well, it's a, it's a like you said, um, inflammation in the muscles, mm-hmm. chronic inflammatory disease, I guess. And, and then, was this something that you were just born with that became chronic? You know, we don't know. That's what the crazy thing about autoimmune stuff is. It, it's kind of unique for each person. Like, mm-hmm. so they call in mind dermatomyositis, but... Um, so it's supposed to be this a lot of the the visual cues to know that you have that is is a lot of skin stuff like you get like rashes and dry skin and you're really sensitive to the sun mm-hmm. um but I didn't get any of that and when they told me that I was like what do you mean I'm sensitive to the sun <laughs> like I'm in the sun yeah you're like I'm in- <laughs> <laughs> seriously but then yeah we got the diagnosis and and they got me on I had to go on steroids at first, which obviously is great for you. Um, a lot of steroids, like the max amount. Oh my um, gosh. So that must have, I mean, that must have taken your energy down so much. So how did you stop playing completely? So it was interesting. Well, I stopped playing. 
I trained the entire off season of 2017 mm -hmm. before I got on the plane for my first event with my partner. Um, the doctor called me, the team USA doctor. And he said, don't get on the plane. Like your levels are off the charts. Like it's dangerous if you go play. So oh, I, wow. I didn't play in any events. It's kind of like this oh. year where I did the whole off season and then we don't play. Oh my gosh. 2021 yeah. will be your year. Olympian right here. I'm telling yeah, I'm you. Just, I'm just it's going to happen. I'm just saving it all up for next year, hopefully. Perfect. <laughs> I can only imagine when the doctor called you. So then you, right then and there, you were out, out? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just for like a tournament. So, okay, we'll get it figured out. And then it was like months down the road. We got the diagnosis finally. And, and I was just like so fatigued every day. And, you know, kind of depressed that I was watching my partner go play. Of course. Without me. Um, and then... We, but once we got the diagnosis, it was great because the, the steroids, which are not great for me, but they sucked all the inflammation out like almost instantly because I went on a really high dosage and I felt way better, like in terms mm -hmm. of energy. So I was feeling a little bit better, but then I had to get on all these medications and then I wasn't able to play until I was off the steroids because it's mm -hmm. dangerous for you to play with, um, on a certain amount of those steroids and other medication. Mm. Then it was just a long, like year long process after that to wean myself off of the medication. And I couldn't work out. That was the big thing. For an athlete, that's pretty tough. So, okay, you couldn't work out for a full year? Yeah. So how did you mentally go through that time? I mean, as an athlete and I'm myself, I'm addicted to exercise in the best way and I can only imagine. So how did you get through that time? Oh, it was tough. I, I, that's actually something that I, I learned during the time that I was addicted to exercise. It sounds weird. And I, you know, when you're a kid and you know, you're young and you're just like, I just like exercising. So I, right, do right. I don't think I'm addicted to it. Uh, yeah, I a I healthy addiction, but yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. But um, I had to kind of mentally grasp that idea that, that that's like an addiction. So when I'm feeling like anxious to get out and do stuff and move, I had to mentally overcome the, uh, that, you know, to fill the void with that, with an exercise or something. I had to find other things to fulfill myself, which was really tough. So I did get into the mindfulness and meditation and all that to calm my mind. And uh, I started writing a lot more, just like journaling and notes and, and learning a lot more about myself um, and doing a lot of like self-work. Um, and then I actually started the podcast, which, which is great because I'm still doing it now. It was a huge blessing in disguise. And then I really wanted, I knew I wanted to be a volleyball player. I wanted to continue my career whenever I could. Mm -hmm. So I went to the tour and told them that I was willing to work for them in the media mm -hmm. realm. I'll do anything. And then they, and had I, a live, they had a live stream at the time and they just had me talk over it all season. So I just sat up there and watched volleyball. You still wanted time. to be at least being part of the game somehow, some way or another. Yeah, I mm -hmm. thought I could, I thought I could at least learn more and still be getting better at the game by watching so I went to every tournament that season and just sat in the booth and watched and then I learned how to do stuff on the media side which made me more comfortable just talking public speaking and, and you know doing the podcast and all that and I also I saw a quote online of you saying I'm attacking my illness like a full-time job 
Mm-hmm. And that that's really powerful because a lot of people, they'll be struck with an illness and they won't take control of it. They'll let the illness control them. Yeah. So how did you control the illness to get back on your feet, get back on that court? Yeah, I think that's just what it was. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm lucky to be a competitor at heart. Like that's what I've done my whole life. So. And I just little like, by little you start to get better. Yeah. I mean, I just looked at it as a challenge. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way that there's no chance that I'm going to recover from this. And if there's any chance that I'm going to recover from this, then I'm going to attack it and I'm going to make that what's driving me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of took it as a challenge. And, and I think that kind of fulfilled that, that void that exercising couldn't at the time. I was like, just like, you know, mm-hmm. let's put in this work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and do, same do whatever going, it takes. Mm-hmm. Whatever it takes. Yeah. And same going back to that, what we were talking about adaptation, you can, you're learning to continuously adapt. Yeah. That's really yeah, interesting. I, I think that's, I mean, still to this day, there's, that's the thing right now, especially during this pandemic that, that I'm preaching more than ever. It's mm-hmm. like, we're all able to adapt. It's in our genetics. But the thing you have to understand is it's hard. Like change is difficult. Mm-hmm. I actually did like, um, so I couldn't work out during that time. Mm-hmm. I did Tai Chi because I was reading stuff online about how you can anticipate opponents reactions and like learn how to balance your body i don't know and you're you're doing activity but you're doing it in like major slow motion so it was okay for me but one of the things i learned because you're trying to change from one move to another in tai chi without losing your center of gravity or balance at all mm-hmm. and that's one thing they said all the time change is difficult change is difficult. you had to wrap your brain around the idea that it was hard it, it was a challenge you know um, and I kind of just apply that to all of life. It's like, if you want to make a change, there's going to be difficulty. And if I can expect that, then it's not going to overwhelm me. Like, wow, this sucks. It's not like, I don't want to do it anymore. It's like, wow, this change is difficult. This is exactly what I expected. Let's just go through it mm-hmm. so we can, you know, beat it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I'll get through it faster that way rather than mm-hmm. letting it dictate what I do. Hmm. I like that. So whatever happens in life, you're controlling it. You're taking over it. Exactly. It's really a matter of perspective. I feel like. Hmm. How do you want to look at it? It's you know the pessimistic look or the optimistic side of things, and I think people undervalue the the value that comes out of overcoming something difficult. Like I kind of looked at it like if I get through this, I'm gonna be like. I'm going to have taken way more steps in terms of being the person I want to be than I would have if I didn't have this challenge. But if I let this challenge just bring me down, Mm -hmm. then I'm just going to be depressed. You know, same thing is going to happen, but I'm not going to gain anything from it. I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be out. I'm going to gain something from this. Definitely. And and I feel like I did. So I kind of want to keep applying that to my life and see where it takes me. Hmm. Also at the event, you were talking about naturopathic ways to heal yourself and how food healed you so can you tell me about that and how you discovered that pathway yeah it was I mean I was like I said I was willing to kind of do whatever it took so I was Mm -hmm. looking at every aspect and 
you know, I was going to the normal rheumatologist, same guy I still see. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they were only recommending, you know, medication. And, and I asked him about diet and all these things that, I've, you know, a lot of the stuff I learned as an athlete. And he's like, eh, I mean, you could do that if you want, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just take the medication. And, you know, like he had that perspective. And I was like, mm -hmm. that doesn't really make sense to me that, that you know, you wouldn't take into consideration how much food and like the way that you treat your body affects you mm -hmm. so I went the other way and I went to like a homeopathic medicine what was the word <laughs> holistic like a, a holistic doctor uh, yeah yeah um and she gave me kind of the opposite perspective but was still understanding that you know I needed the medication at that time because I had gotten so bad so we created a plan um to just have balance take the medication that I need but work to make it so that I don't rely on it. And, and the way we do that is through the food and the way I treat my body, mental, mm. dealing with stress. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just like, I wanted, I wanted a approach that wouldn't be like, okay, now I'm relying on the medicine. I wanted to use the medicine to get back to square one and then rely on my lifestyle and food and, and all those healthy things to keep it that way. Were there any anti-inflammatory foods that you had to stay away from or still do? Well, at first I went cold turkey. Like mm -hmm. I read, you know, read the books and, and talked, to right. the, talked to the doc and it was like anything that was inflammatory, I'll cut it. So it was like, you know, the nightshades and uh, some people say corn and gluten, mm -hmm. and dairy and I mean, you know, all the stuff that all of that, it, yeah. About yeah, so I cut out dairy. I cut out alcohol. That's inflammatory. Um, Even tequila. Produced <laughs> <laughs> it back in eventually, um, but I, honestly, I so I cut everything out and then I added it back in one by one at a time to mm -hmm, see mm -hmm. how it affected me. And there's certain process of elimination. Where, yeah, yeah, but there's some foods where people said like, "Yes, you can't eat this one," and then I put it back in. I was like actually it doesn't affect me but then there'd be something else like corn and i'm like that's weird i feel more a little more inflammation when i eat corn than mm -hmm. if I were to you know have something else like gluten uh i feel like i'm pretty lucky it doesn't affect me too much mm -hmm. i can limit it um if i can but you know if i'm I, I was in rome this year and i'm like come on i'm not gonna have I'm not gonna not have the right, right 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 i don't feel bad from it I think there's a time and place and everyone has mm -hmm. to customize it to themselves. So there's more process of elimination and then now they're just, you know, which foods are not going to make your, you feel good. Exactly. Like I don't drink, I don't party really like party drink anymore. Um, I noticed it's like two or three drinks a week kind of thing for me. Um, you know, I'll ha have a Kona brew uh, every once in a while, but um for me, alcohol didn't sit all that well. Uh, but there are some, like you said, some tequilas and vodkas and whatnot that, that are great for people. And, and mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, you got to take care of your mental health. Yeah, all balance. Yes, exactly. I think obviously it's important to be on medicine if you need it. I think it's amazing that you took that extra step to do your own research and to say, what else can I do to help myself and take control of what you're going through? That's really yeah. powerful. Yeah, I don't know. I, it was, it's been a really long process, and I don't know where it all came from necessarily, but um, I 
I think I just shifted all that energy that I had for volleyball into that. And then mm-hmm. that's where I, when I said I wanted to make it a full-time job, I was like, I need a full-time job to like fulfill myself. So yeah. if I'm going to attack something and put all my energy into something, I'm going to put it into this. And that's- I'm going to put it into getting myself back into the job that I want mm-hmm. rather than giving up and just taking another job that I don't need. Um, and that was difficult because, you know, that mm-hmm. process, that timeline when money starts coming in and whatnot really makes me question it. But in the long run, it, it really worked out. Well, I have no doubt that this setback will become your comeback for 2021 Olympics. Just adding fuel to the fire. Very true. When So I also went to USC, so go Trojans. But when, uh, so when you were training and you were on the team there, did you, were you thinking Olympics? Like what, what did your future look like when you were in college and training? Um, yeah, so I played indoor at USC. There's no men's beach volleyball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was amazing going to USC because that was like my first hint of what it's like to be a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's actually, you feel more like a professional athlete when you're playing at USC than you do outside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially for our sport where we don't have the NFL, NBA, those huge right. organizations. Um, but it was, it was awesome. We had a really good team. We were one of the top teams in the country for a few years there. And um, I learned a lot going to a big school like that. Um, just in terms of professionalism and you know they introduced all the nutrition and it was mm-hmm. kind of like a basic introduction to it mm-hmm. um, I actually I, worked in the fueling station at USC so I worked oh, with a lot nice. of the athletes so I'd make you guys like smoothies and meal prep and that was it was awesome because it's so cool to see how athletes eat and their training schedule I, I'm just fascinated by it yeah, exactly. I think so. You were probably in the um, the newer facility, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was <laughs> there when I was there. Okay, it is um, insane how nice that gym is. Yeah, I know. Um, I walked in. I came in like two years after I left, and I was like, "What is this?" It's insane. Oh Although I did have the Galen Center my whole uh, career, so I was pretty spoiled as well. But we didn't have the fueling station. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my, it's so funny because I would see I, every team would come in practice and I would always wanted to jump in the practice every single time. <laughs> when you were in college, for your future, did you think you were going to go to the Olympics? Was that always the dream? I think that's been a dream since I was a little kid. My parents mm-hmm. were very, um, my parents are both athletes. My sisters are athletes, my brother, everyone. So we watched Olympics religiously growing mm-hmm. up and it was always a dream. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, I think I didn't know if it was possible like I was pretty present like I just want to be a good college player and mm-hmm, my degree. like that's what I wanted and then mm-hmm. towards the end of um, my career there I was like is, oh it's possible I can go I can go to the next level I can play pro this is awesome like so I'm just gonna try to do that mm-hmm. and then I made a uh, the Pan American Games team indoor and that's kind of when I was like, wow, I can, ma- I can maybe make like, the senior national team one day. Mm-hmm. And then um, an opportunity came up to play beach. And, I, and one of the top guys picked me up, John Hyden. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Like, I grew up playing beach volleyball. I love the beach. I'm going to do that. And that's going to be my ticket to the Olympics. And so, so within a year or so, my partner and I were 
were going for it. He was already a two-time indoor Olympian, so he knew the ropes and he taught me a bunch. And yeah, it's been 100% the goal ever mm-hmm. since. It's just been like seven years now. So, or eight, yeah. I think we might be going on nine years by next year of me yeah. like trying to make this Olympic team. I have no doubt. Your drive, your passion, I have no doubt. Is playing beach volleyball something you've done since you, you've played since you were little and you've always been passionate about it? Or did it kind of come about later in life? You know, I was kind of into all different sports when I was little. And then I played indoor and beach volleyball a lot growing up in Hawaii. <laughs> volleyball is a really popular sport out there. Um, but for me personally, I always felt connected to the beach. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was a little better at it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of guys when you get to the highest level that are really big and I'm, I play a big guy's position. I'm a blocker. Um, and you know, I I'm six, five, but eventually I became one of the smaller guys. Mm. So the beach was great for me because it's, it's, it's where you have to be good at every skill. Mm. And indoors was a little bit more specialized. So you're either a big hitter, a big blocker, or you set or you're a defensive specialist. And I kind of like doing all the skills. So I've always gravitated towards the beach um, thanks to my childhood. And, and then once I had the opportunity, I, I had zero hesitation at all to, to stop indoor and go to the beach. Hmm. That, that's, it's just, it just seems like such an awesome way of life, like an, an amazing passion to have too. And you're always at a beautiful scenery, always an adventure. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We have some crazy stories and, and not all the, uh, events or what you picture like you know we're going to China and like playing in these random places and the travel 45 hour travel oh and, you know, we're, we're booking flights ourselves but it is amazing like we go to some really awesome places we're not playing on the beach usually mm-hmm. like all the time mm-hmm. on the world tour we're playing in the Swiss Alps we're playing in uh like these courtyards in front of big train stations in Berlin or like we could be playing anywhere under a freeway (laughs) Hmm. oh my where has been your favorite place to play um I think for me it was Rio de Janeiro um on Copacabana Beach oh wow there's just so much history there in beach volleyball and um I think besides California it has the richest um beach volleyball community like people out everyone knows how to play they're playing with their feet Hmm. And it's in their blood. <laughs> yeah, there'll be two guys, two pros training, and there's ten coaches for two guys. Yeah, it's like they don't have to take a ball in and they have to lift a water bottle. Um, they're so passionate about their down there, and and the beaches. That, that's probably my favorite part is that the beach is just beautiful, perfect sand. There's good waves, so I get to jump in and do a little body surfing after. And that's awesome. People are great. That's probably my favorite. It just seems like such an amazing life. And, and even though you've had this setback of yours, it seems like you're overcoming it day by day. And I see you in the 2021 Olympics. Appreciate it. Uh, No, really, really. And also just quickly before I tell you, ask you my last question. So I'm just curious as a professional athlete, what's your training schedule like? And have you had to change that with your, with your disease? Yeah, it's kind of constantly, kind of constantly tweaking it, um, mm-hmm. especially due to my new partnership. And you know, you have to play to to your team. I have a different coach nowadays as well. Um, I'm actually playing a different position, so 
there's blocker and the defender and then some teams choose to split block mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. block and we both defend depending on who's serving um so it's a whole different like i blocked my whole first five or five years or so five or six years of my career and now i'm having to wrap my brain around defending so i've changed my training schedule up to, mm -hmm. to work towards that and now i'm putting in a lot more hours mm -hmm. um because i'm trying to learn a new skill a new position. yeah yeah exactly um so i'm i mean we're, we're training every day of the week five days a week um, how many hours a day We'll, do, we'll go about two hours on the sand and then we go straight to either lifting or treatment and, uh, you know, physical therapy or, or mm -hmm. whatever we need on that specific day. Um, and then we'll do some recovery as well. So it could be about an hour of treatment. I mean, it depends on the day. Right, 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 right. We go to our athletic trainer and he, so we have a facility in Torrance, USA mm -hmm. Volleyball, go there and how's your body feeling, you know, what do you mm -hmm. day and whatnot. Um, and then we'll do like recovery, ice bath, sauna. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to do contrast therapy. That seems to work best for me. What exactly um, is that? So uh, for me, it is, I took some seminars and just mm -hmm. kind of read up on a lot of the sauna stuff because I thought it would help me cleanse my body during that time when I had the autoimmune. Mm -hmm um and i did the ice baths as well to kind of test out how that so you're saying contrast feeling. with the heat the hot and the cold yeah so i'll go back in between the two i'll do like um i mean there's all kinds of different ways that you can do it but for me i'll do like two minutes in the ice i'll start actually in the sauna for like 15 minutes mm -hmm. and i'll do two minutes of straight ice bath like up to my neck and then i'll go back in the sauna and then back in the ice and then back in the sauna and then just like dip in the ice really quick um and has that been helping your muscles pain. too with the inflammation yeah yeah it has um it just i feel like it just makes the blood flow back and forth from mm -hmm. your core to your extremities and especially right. when i'm building up all this lactic acid or even the inflammation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um it just helps it flush it all out Mm. that's been a good recovery tool for me. we have other stuff like the norma tech which basically just squeezes your legs it's mm -hmm. a like an air pump oh i i, I use those all the time i love yeah exactly yeah, those are awesome <laughs> yeah, have, that yeah have you also done um um oh my gosh what is it the oh like, cryotherapy cryotherapy yes yes yeah. yes i i just like i do that a lot too obviously it's closed now but i used to yeah no, that's pretty cool too. I mean, it's a lot easier than ice bath and I think it's less painful. Yeah, ice baths scare me. I, I've <laughs> yet to do one. I've done like a mini second. I need to fully do it. <laughs> it's kind of crazy what your brain can do. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm totally- And again, that's all mental too. It is really, because I, I was in the same boat where it's like, I'm fully freaking out in here. Like, this is the worst thing I've ever experienced. But the more I did it and the more I actually brought like the mindfulness into it, mm -hmm. it blew myself away, like how long I could sit in there and just be relaxed. And then I started enjoying it. And um, it's, it's crazy um, what, what you can do if you really can like practice and, and get your mind uh, under control, I guess. But, mm -hmm. but that's like the ultimate test, I feel like. Is, mm -hmm. I, I like that. I, I like all these challenges for your mind. It's it's yeah. really it's very interesting. 
Well, my last question for you is, so at Fit Food Junkies, our motto is addicted to health. So try, what are you addicted to? Oh man, what am I addicted to? I mean, I know I was addicted to uh, activities like we said earlier. Um, I think I'm addicted to growth as a person and um, continuing to be better. Somehow I want to be better today than I was yesterday. Um, and I know, I understand there's, you have to take steps back, but I think that I've learned that that's the thing that makes me happy is just, just moving forward a little bit. It doesn't matter how far forward you're moving. You don't have to reach your goal in one day, but if I can take one step forward in terms of like being the person that I want to be, I feel good at the end of the day. Mm. I just don't want to move backwards at all. And I don't want to stay still either. Just want to keep moving forward a little bit, just leveling up, you know, a little bit, even if there's a thousand levels and I just move up one, I'm happy with that. As long as I'm moving in the right direction. Mm. That I, I hope that hits home to a lot of people. It's yeah. every day continuously growing. Yeah. Thank you, Try so much. It is really such an honor to be able to talk to you. And ever since that event to coming to now and how much you've inspired me. So really, it is such a privilege to hear you speak today. Uh, it was my pleasure. And this, I think this is an awesome podcast. You're going to be helping a lot of people. And um, I'll uh, stay tuned for sure. Thank you so much. And also, where can people find you? Other, uh, than, other than seeing you in 2021 Olympics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, Instagram is usually the, the biggest thing. Uh, you can also, if you like beach volleyball, for sure, listen to our podcast, um, Sandcast podcast. It's pretty much strictly about beach volleyball, so you have to. Like yeah, I, I started listening to it, and I want to learn more. So I'm going Love to it. keep it up and subscribe. Thank you so much, Try, and see you on the court. If I had to choose one thing that I got out of this interview today, it is Try's steadfast mentality to succeed. He does not let anything stop him in order to conquer his goals. He said, I'm attacking my illness like a full-time job even though he was undergoing his chronic inflammatory muscle disease as a professional volleyball athlete, he decided to let his setback become his comeback. He did not allow the disease to control him, but he decided to control the disease. Whatever you set your life to do with your mind, that is gonna happen, you paved the way. This really hits home with me because I've also dealt with a lot of chronic inflammation. One of my favorite quotes, it's not what you say to everyone else that determines your life. It's what you whisper to yourself that has the greatest power. So remember, the words that you're telling yourself, that's what you're going to believe. That's what your mind is going to follow. So if life throws a curveball at you, you decide to control it. No one else. You have the power. Remember that in order to conquer your goals in any form in life. If you are going through any chronic inflammatory disease or just any setback in life, let try at Triborn or myself at Fit Food Junkies on Instagram know how this interview inspired you today to allow your setback to become your comeback. If you haven't already, subscribe below and comment how this interview will inspire you to conquer any adversity in life. I'm so excited for you to join the Fit Food Junkies journey with me.